0: Well, it is my privilege and honor to introduce our guest preacher for today and next Sunday as well. Uh, he's volunteered to drive the car around to collect all your items from the big give. <laughs> uh, Dr. RT Kendall hails originally from Kentucky. Dr. Kendall was at uh, served as rector at uh, Westminster Chapel in the UK for 25 years. And uh, he now lives in Tennessee with uh, his wife, Louise, who we are privileged to have with us this morning. And uh, some say that uh, there's not been a greater theologian since the Apostle Paul. Some say there's not been a more humble man since Moses. And uh, all of those people are Dr. Kendall. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I... In all honesty, he is a great friend personally to me, and uh, I know to many, many, many of you who have uh, been touched by his ministry through the years. And so it is my distinct honor to welcome you, Dr. Kendall. Warm apostles, welcome.
1: For someone here today, there's one person, you have a choice, which do you prefer, vindication or a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit? Somebody here. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, two verses, starting at verse 10. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, I have forgiven, if I've forgiven anything, it has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan." For we are not ignorant of his designs. And may God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this his most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer Heavenly Father, I pray now for Michael and Elizabeth your esteemed servants, that you will protect them and bless them and bring them back safely here. I pray now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every mind in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be heard as you intend. Cleanse my tongue, that I will be your transparent instrument. To say everything that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said, I ask that this will be a life-changing word, and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, Jonathan. For that introduction. You read my handwriting very well. I mean, do uh... <laughs> you know, I had the privilege, I don't know if any of you were here, of introducing or I should say announcing the engagement of Jonathan. And I haven't met his wife till today. I don't know how you got her. You did all right. <laughs> Wonderful. I have prayed for that man every day for I think 12, 13 years. And uh, great, great to be with you. So honored to be a part of Michael Yusuf's ministry. And uh, there's nobody like him on the planet. And I thank God for him. And great to be with you today. Uh, my first wife is with me. As of last June 28, 60 years. And... Uh, oh. Our grandson, Toby, and T.R., (laughs) uh, we're honored to get to bring some books. You know, when we come here, you may smile, but we literally try to get rid of them. Uh, We sell them literally for $10. They cost us about that, with transportation sometimes more than that. And we sell, this should be 15, 16, we just want to get rid of them. And I'll be back there to sign them if that helps to get rid of them. Uh, Now, you need to know this, that if I had my own way, what I would preach to you today would be on uh, books that you don't know about uh, since I was here last. My book, Whatever Happened to the Gospel, has been endorsed by Michael Yusuf, And he said, It's my crowning achievement. Uh, If I could only have one book after I'm gone to heaven, only one, this would be it. It's my statement of the gospel. Uh, Sadly, when you watch, I don't mean to be unfair, but television today, you wait and you wait and you wait and ask, When will someone preach the gospel? Well, Uh, Michael does, and uh, so I wrote this book, Whatever Happened. It's written on the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther's 95 theses, but a book that just came out last week called Popular in Heaven, Famous in Hell, most productive uh, book in a way that I've ever written. Uh, Ruth Graham, daughter of Billy Graham, wrote the foreword, Everything Ten Dollars, if you're interested. I'm a little self-conscious with the subject today. I am compelled to speak on this. Well, I've in a church where they've heard me before on this subject, a little self-conscious, uh, but I, I can tell you I, this is what I have to do. This is not what I would have chosen I know that I'm led to preach on this. And it could be for one person. That's good enough. You know, God is like that. He would do do this for one. There's someone here. You need to make a choice between vindication and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, vindication, wanting to have your name cleared, is the most natural desire in the world. When you have been maligned, lied about, when someone hates you, someone wants to destroy you, and you want so much to have your name cleared. It's the most natural feeling in the world. But there's something greater than that. And if I can get this over, whoever you are, you'll thank God to your death. This could be life-changing for you. It's not unlike the thorn in the flesh that the Apostle Paul had. Now, I've written a book on the thorn in the flesh. We don't know what Paul's was. We know it was so horrible that he asked God three times that it would go away. Well, God says, I've got a better idea. How would you like a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit? Paul said, oh, I'll take that. And that's what I put to you today. The day will come when you will see that vindication is God's problem. And even if you got your vindication, you may forfeit what God would have done in your life. Now, it comes down to this, that you will be willing to let somebody off the hook. Perhaps someone who has destroyed you or tried to. They've made your life miserable. And the most natural feeling in the world is to want to see that person punished, exposed, dealt with out of the open. But God says, I've got a better idea. And I need to come clean and tell you that the message I bring today was born in what was at the time the darkest hour that Louise and I ever went through. It was when we were at Westminster Chapel, London, Uh, those 25 years To quote Charles Dickens, the best of times, the worst of times. And we went through a situation which, if I were to tell you what it was, I could win you over and you'd feel sorry. You would agree that what happened was unjust, unfair, so wrong. And at that time, I was so hurt. And the bleak future was something I I just didn't want to face. I can tell you now, I not only thank God for that moment. If you can take it, (laughs) it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And you say, well, there's no way that could be true in my case. That's where you're wrong. The degree to which you will let that person or those people off the hook will be the degree to which you see God steps in, takes over, takes charge, and the day will come. You will say, R.T., I didn't believe it at the time, but you were so right. Here's the thing. Total forgiveness. It came in my life, in my darkest hour, I was bitter. I was angry. An old friend from Romania happened to be in London. Because I knew he wouldn't tell anybody, I told Joseph Zohn what they did. (laughs) If I'm honest, I thought he would put his arm around me and say, RT, you ought to be angry. Get it out of your system. I think that's what I wanted. He just said, anything more? I said, no, that's it. If I could narrow 25 years in London down to 15 minutes, it's when Joseph Sohn looked at me and said, R.T., you must totally forgive them. Until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains. Release them, and you will be released. Nobody had ever talked to me like that in my life. Faithful of the wounds of a friend. I said, Joseph, I can't. He said, you can and you must. I can tell you right now, it's the hardest thing in the world I've ever had to do. Almost certainly the hardest thing you will ever have to do. It goes right against nature. The most natural thing in the world is to want to see them exposed, punished, dealt with. And when you kiss that goodbye, it hurts. And you not only let them off the hook, you pray for them. And by the way, when you pray for them, uh, you don't just say, well, heavenly Father, i just commit them to thee
0: because
1: you're hoping God will kill them. (laughs) That's not what Jesus meant. He said, bless them. Bless them. You say, Archie, I could never do that. Look, I understand. This is going right against nature. But if I could get this over and get you to see that the blessing of the Holy Spirit waiting for you is a thousand times better than what you want at the natural level. You have a gift no one else has. And I'm not talking when I say anointing about a preacher. There's probably just half a dozen preachers here today. This is not for preachers. This is for the nurse, the secretary, the truck driver, waitress, lawyer, physician, banker. What God has in mind for you, you can never imagine what God will do with it. But only in proportion to getting rid of that bitterness. Now, here's something that I want to share with you today, and I'm almost ashamed to admit it. Do you know that I've written a book, Total Forgiveness? What I'm going to share now is not in that book. I saw this after the book came out. I I wanted to bring them all back and get this in, but here it is. When Paul said the reason he forgave, and by the way, he didn't enjoy doing it, I don't have time to go into the detail, but he did it. He did it. He forgave something going on in Corinth. He said, I've forgiven for your sake in the presence of Christ so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. Whatever does he mean? That we won't be outwitted by Satan. I can tell you, and this is scary. When you don't forgive totally, you give the devil an entry point into your life, and he will take full advantage of it. As long as you have a heart devoid of bitterness when you have totally forgiven now when i use that phrase total forgiveness you see there are degrees of forgiveness there's partial forgiveness oh yeah yeah you give forgive up to a point total forgiveness that's what i'm talking about that's when you utterly let them off the hook and ask god to bless them you don't tell anybody what they did you don't let them feel guilty You don't let them lose face. You let them save face. We're talking total forgiveness. Now, you know, it's funny. I get an email once a year from somebody, I don't know where he is in the world, who will write me again to make his case, R.T., you don't have to forgive them until they repent. I write back to him, you've come up with a recipe whereby you can stay bitter the rest of your life, they're not going to repent. Most of the people that you have to forgive, not only are they not sorry, half of them don't even know what they've done or they don't even think they've done anything wrong if you told them. If you wait, let me put it this way, <laughs> the people that I have had to forgive, I'm talking like 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100, The people that I've had to forgive, if I went by the theory of some, you don't have to forgive them until they repent, I wouldn't even be here today. It would not be a life-changing message to forgive them if they're sorry. I mean, it's pretty easy to forgive them if they're sorry. I mean, unsaved people can do that. The godfather of the mafia, he can start, oh, okay, okay. It's okay if they're sorry. Here's the challenge I want to put to you today. Could be you've thought of this before, maybe not. How would you like to have a major victory? Huge over Satan. Here's the way to get it. Forgive them when they're not sorry. Forgive them when they don't know what they've done. You see, what gets our goat is that they don't know how hurt we are. And we think, if I could only get them to see how hurt I am, you know, give you a little bit of comfort, maybe. Oh, by the way, when this sermon is over and you're convicted, don't walk across the room and go up to somebody and say, look, in the light of our R.T.'s sermon, I forgive you. which means you haven't. Whenever you say to somebody, I forgive you, because you haven't, you want to stick the knife in more, you can't bear the thought they don't know how hurt you are. If they go up to them and say, I, I just want you to know I forgive you, they'll say, for what? You'll say, well, you you know. I don't actually. Oh, you do. I don't. Well, you should. Now you've got a fight going. Which is what you wanted. You wanted to get it out in the open that you're hurt. I seem to recall someone, his name, Jesus, on the cross when they were scoffing, shouting, hey, son of God, come down from the cross so we can see and believe He saved others. He can't save himself. Do you not realize that Jesus was tempted right to the end to retort and say something back? No. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they've done. Don't expect the people that have hurt you to know. Get a big victory, huge. Forgive them when they're not sorry. Forgive them when they don't know. They may never know. Don't expect because you start praying for them that they're going to know. I can tell you now, the people I've had to pray for, some of them are still alive. You could put them under a lie detector. They don't think they did anything at all. I still have to keep it up. Because total forgiveness is a life sentence. You don't do it just once and say, well, I did it. That's it. No. You got to do it today, tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now. It's a life sentence. I have a tablet I take every morning. Doctor said you have to take it as long as you live. I do. That's total forgiveness. Let Let it be known now doing it today and getting a good feeling, which will perhaps help you to do, but that's not it. It's tomorrow, a week from now. We're talking about a life-changing Word and a Word that I promise will bring about the blessing of the Holy Spirit down the road, more precious than gold. In fact, said Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 4, get it. It's called wisdom. Whatever it costs, get it. Down the road, God will put a garland on your head. The day will come. You cherish this blessing of the Spirit. But then someone will say, but R.T., you've no idea what I've gone through. Granted. I'll go further than that. I don't doubt this for a second. If I heard your story, somebody here? If I heard your story, you've suffered 10 times, maybe 100 times more than I have. And if I heard your story and then I told you mine, I'd be embarrassed. Here's the thing. We all look for the loophole that enables us, in our case, we don't have to forgive that. Maybe when you were abused as a child, your spouse unfaithful to you, the way people have lied about you, the way they wanted to destroy you. We all... Look for the loophole whereby in this situation, oh, God says, "You no, you don't let forgive that. Let me tell you this, dear friend. If it could be shown that you have suffered more than anybody else in the city of Atlanta, and we heard your story, we all think, Oh, wow. oh. oh, I've never heard of such a story. And we all acknowledge no one, no one, no one has suffered like you. We all, we, we agree. The angels have a word for you right now. I'm going to give a rhema word for somebody here is from the angels. If you've suffered more than anybody else, Here's the word. You ready? Congratulations. Take it with both hands. Instead of using it as an excuse to stay bitter, oh, maybe I caught you just in time. Thank you, Lord. I had no idea. You have a promise of blessing that the person in front of you doesn't have. They haven't suffered like you. You have a promise of anointing of the Spirit that the person next to you doesn't have. They haven't suffered like you have. And you don't realize that this is pure gold handed to you on a silver platter. That's why I began with these words. If you have a choice, since one person here does, I may never know who it is, not asking, There's one person. Which would you rather have, vindication or greater anointing? That's the decision you make. Well, the question is, how do you know you have totally forgiven? That's the question. How do you know you've totally forgiven? And I will go through this quickly based upon the life of joseph in genesis 45 i'm not going to read to it be, through it because i just looked at my watch and i want to quit in a decent time but here's how to know joseph prime minister of egypt has been waiting for the moment that a prophetic dream he had 22 years before would be fulfilled. He always thought that dream was to give him comfort that one day those 11 brothers who were going to kill him, who were going to let him die, he thought that God was going to let him one day say to those 11 brothers, gotcha, and throw the book at them. He dreamed for that. He'd dream for the day they'd be scared to death of him. And now it's handed to him. The 11 brothers, the dream is fulfilled. They're bowing down. Instead of saying, gotcha. It's a new Joseph. It's a broken Joseph. His shoulders shake. He sobs. And his first comment, everybody out of the house, everybody out of here, cabinet, aides, translator, out. And then he speaks to his brothers in Hebrew, or whatever language they spoke, and says to them, I'm Joseph. I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? But they were scared to death. And he says, Come close to me. Come close to me. Instead of having them in terror and fear, he just wants the love on them. By the way, why did he have everybody leave? Well, it's because he's going to persuade them to come and live in Egypt. He wants to make sure nobody ever in Egypt finds out what they did to him 22 years before. He knows that he's a hero in Egypt. He's changed the nation. They love him. He sends everybody out. So behind closed doors, he says, I'm Joseph. He wants to make sure nobody in Egypt ever found out. He knows that if one Egyptian, if the word leaked at one Egyptian heard what they had done, every Egyptian would hate those men. He wants his brothers to be heroes. It's a new Joseph. You see, the first thing we want to do when we're hurt, we get on the phone and tell what they did. You want them exposed. You can't bear the thought that anybody would admire them. You want to bring them down. When God says, That's my problem, God says, Vengeance is mine. That's my prerogative. You stay out. Oh, but Lord, you are so slow. (laughs) Caution. You try to do it yourself. It'll get worse, it'll get worse, it'll get worse. Little hint. Let God do it. Don't touch it. God has a way of doing things you could never come up with. You have to kiss it goodbye. You don't tell anybody what they did. Tell the Lord, that's OK. Tell one other person who will never repeal it, uh, never reveal it. One person, not two, not ten, not a thousand. One. A crime, by the way, must be reported. That's different. It's not personal. You don't tell what they did. You don't let them be afraid of you. He just wanted to love on them. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. The man they were going to kill just wants just come close to me. He doesn't even want them to feel guilty. He says, don't be angry with yourselves. Have you ever said to somebody, Well, I forgive you, but I hope you feel bad about it. Well, you're still wanting to stick the knife in. Here's the thing. you want a major blessing? Do you want to keep the devil from having an entry point? You don't even let him feel guilty. You just put them at ease. And don't be surprised if the person you have to forgive is well-known. Oh, what if they are of the company, company of the godly. Oh, the godly. Woo! Some of the meanest people in the world. You ever hear the poem Living with the Saints Above? Oh, that will be glory. Living with the Saints below, well, that's another story. You don't tell what they did. You don't let them be afraid of you. You don't even let them feel guilty. You let them save face. Instead of rubbing their noses in it, you make it easy. Joseph says, look, don't be angry with yourselves. I can tell you now there's been two years of famine. There's going to be five more. God sent me ahead of you to bring you here so you can live. In fact, he said it wasn't even you who did it. It was God. I mean, these 11 brothers, they can't believe their luck that the very man (laughs) they were going to kill is now saying, God did it. God did it. And you see, this is the way God lets us all save face. Listen, everyone here, you've got a skeleton in your cupboard, your closet, everyone here, every one of you, God doesn't want to yank out that skeleton and embarrass you. God lets us save face and that your darkest secret and you think I can never be forgiven for that. Listen to me. God has a way of causing you to see that he was in all that. Give it time. We'll see this more next week. Give it time the way God will cause it to work together for good. You can't believe how beautiful he is on this. He lets us save face. He protects you from your darkest secret. That's what Joseph did. He wasn't even going to let them go back and tell old Jacob that they'd taken that coat of many colors off Joseph's back and dipped it in blood and made Jacob think he was dead. They didn't even get to tell that. In fact... Seventeen years later, old Jacob died, and the brothers are scared to death. They think, he's been waiting all this time. He's going to get us now. They found out 17 years later that what Joseph had done was real. He really had forgiven them. He didn't do that, just waiting for the moment. He can go for them. Oh, no, it was real. He really had forgiven them. And they come to him crying. You see, read it in Genesis 50. Please forgive us for what we did. And Joseph says, what's the matter with you, man? I told you 17 years ago I forgave you. I forgave you then, I forgive you now. You see, it's still held. It's a life sentence. You've got to keep doing it. And it was still happening. And not only that, Joseph blessed them. He blessed them. And if you want to complete the cycle, this is total forgiveness when you bless them. I'll never forget it as long as I live. In those days at Westminster Chapel, the minister led the worship. We were singing the great English hymn, Come, my soul, thy suit prepare. And while they were singing, I could not believe that could happen, but a woman who has done irreparable emotional damage to one of our children, came to the service, and was sitting four rows from the back. And I lost it. I mean, I had to mouth the words. I had to read the Scripture after that, then sing another hymn. Then, in those days, the pastoral prayer, that was the tradition, prayed six, eight, ten minutes. I don't know how I got through it. What saved me was offering time. When I sit down, a deacon comes up, welcomes the People gives the notices and says the morning offering will be received. I had five minutes just to sit there. I wasn't prepared for what followed. Holy Spirit entered into a conversation. What I report now I can't say is verbatim, but it's pretty close. It went something like this: "R.T., you want to see revival in Westminster Chapel? Is that true?" "Yes, Lord." Good. How much do you want to see revival? Oh, a lot. Which would you rather have, revival or for me to send judgment on that woman out there? (laughs) Revival. Good. Pray for her. I pray for her. He said, that's not good enough. Ask me to bless her. Bless her. Say it again. Bless her. Say it again. Bless her. And what if I answer your prayer and take your word seriously and I bless her? Lord, you wouldn't do that, would you? (laughs) But that's the point. And I had to start saying, bless her, bless her. It was killing me because I knew he was going to bless her. And guess what? He did. That woman thrives today in London. I don't know whether when we get to heaven, I can resist going up to her and say, I know why God blessed you. I don't know that I will be able to say that. But I'll tell you something. People do ask me, how come I've written all these books? They think it's my education. Wrong. They think it's my brain. Wrong. I give you my word. It's what I'm preaching. It is what has saved me. That incident that I just referred to, something switched in the heavenlies. I began to get more insight into Scripture than I ever had. I can't write the thoughts fast enough even as I speak. Publishers, in a day when you can't get a book published, they're coming to me. They want two a year. I can't write them fast enough. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. You make a choice. Vindication or the anointing And I've chosen the anointing. I urge you to do it. Now, I'm finished, but one last minute or so. I would do you no favor to stop and just say, God bless you. Go sit down. Somebody here needs to act on this. It may not be the person that I have in mind, because I don't know whether you will or not. But maybe somebody else will. Here's the thing. If you are ready today, if you see, if you see that you, whereas you thought you had totally forgiven, you now see, well, no, I haven't. But I will. I will do it now. I'm going to ask you in about 30, 35 seconds to stand up. You say, in front of all these people, Mm mm-hmm, well, they'll know I've had a problem. Yes, yes. Is it that important to you? What about the honor that comes from God? Don't look over your shoulder. This is between you and God. This is a moment that will make you popular in heaven and famous in hell. They don't want you to do this. In 20 seconds, stand saying, I won't tell what they did. I won't let them feel guilty. I will let them say face. RT, I've already failed. Just don't do it anymore. Five, four, three, two, one. If you're that person, you need to forgive. Totally stand to your feet. Anyone else? I'll wait 10 seconds. Don't miss this moment. Remain standing. I'm going to ask you to stay where you are But I'm going to ask you, if you mean it, to pray with me. What you've just done is the easy part. I'm going to ask you now to go into a covenant. I'm not going to look and see who's praying. This is not between you and me. This is between you and God. Covenant, what's that? Serious agreement. In the Old Testament, always ratified by blood. That's how serious it was. We're in the New Testament, ratified by the blood of Jesus 2,000 years ago. You're under that blood. The angels are watching. Out loud, you that are standing. Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry for my bitterness, my unforgiveness. Wash my sin away by your blood. I welcome your Holy Spirit. I forgive them. You forgive them. I bless them. You bless them. I set them free. I set them free. I set them free. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your patience with me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. One little P.S. When you mess up, you will. We're not perfect. When you forget, point the finger. You forget, throw up something. Don't say, Oh, I broke it, so I might as well forget it. That would be the devil. No, that's your moment to say, God, I'm sorry. Immediately. Good old 1 John 1 9. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It's, just continue with it. It's a life sentence, a guarantee. Down the road, you will find a sense of God upon your life and your gift that will surprise you. That's a promise. I'm finished. Be seated. Who's next?